What do you want, Mother Charlor? Artists snarled from the womb of the druid's makeshift fort. Smoke rose, pillars framing the shaman's face. Arda's eyes were of a mother bear, cornered and ferocious. When the shaman executed two citizens of Tuck's Edge, Charlour was disgusted, but she understood it. Cubs had to be protected, sometimes at great cost. Dunsmere's demise and the dragon's claw shook Charlour to her core. Not just because they were lovers. This was deeper than any mortal connection. Charlour failed not only herself, but Theos, twice now. Two protectors, both dead. Charlour stopped herself before she descended into an abyss of self-pity. Now, Arda, we did agree, mind you, that this conversation would be a friendly one, Tapper said. The goblin intrigued Charlour, like so many in Tuck's Edge. He was running from something. A crime of some kind, maybe a bad home life, maybe a bad relationship. Regardless of his past, real or imagined, she admired Tapper. The goblin was both a dreamer and a worker. If that combination were more prevalent in the church, they wouldn't be dealing with this red hand problem. Artis snorted in response to the goblin. In the cold air, her warm breath billowed forth like smoke from a grain fire. I was being friendly. What do you want, Mother Charlor? I want the boys, Mother Charlor said. And what claim do you have on them? They have been in my care. Charlour couldn't believe the gall of this woman. Charlour raised these children when the Redleaf Grove would not. Who was the shaman to take Charlour's cubs as her own? She silently prayed a mantra for peace. No matter how enraged she felt, she could not let the enemy see any weakness. I have bathed them. I have fed them. I have clothed them. I love them as my own. They are my children. Rage gripped her words as she spoke. St. Elegia's blessing doused her burning spirit. You are not druids. We cannot have you teaching druid children from any grove false teachings. What do you think I've been teaching them these past few months? Arda lunged forward, her teeth bared. Spittle sprayed Charlour. The makeshift fort was the only thing stopping the druid from clawing Charlour's throat out. Druid hands grabbed at Arda, calming their shaman. Her face contorted with nature's naked ferocity. Even her attempts at calming her breath carried a feral tone. My eyes were blinded by hate, but now I see the truth. Druids must stand united before we end up like you pagans. Charlour continued her silent prayer, then said, Please, let me see the boys so I know they are safe. You owe me that much. I owe you nothing, Arda snarled, her face alien for a moment, almost feline. You owe those children months of food and comfort and love. They would be dead without the church, and you know it. A steady repetition of silent prayers kept her calm. Her hand tightened around her warhammer. Arda moved her head, commanding someone Charlour could not see. The boys rushed into view, tired and scared. Carling Bear's hand was wrapped with fresh cloth. Mother Charlour, Carling Bear said. It took Brother Dunsmere. You have to get him back, Kirkin echoed in the same panicked voice. He's dead. He died like a warrior. Let his memory stand, Arda said. The boys yelled angry curses at the shaman. Mother Charlour ignored them. 
Once they lived, then Dunsmere's death could be a tragedy. For now, it was a distraction. Are you both well? Yes, Mother, Kirkin said. Why is his hand not healed? Mother Charlure asked Arda. Magic is not always prevalent among the druids, Mother. As shaman, I am the only fully blessed by Shamhara. And I must conserve my energy for the fight to come. Well, I see you've done your best. So I thank you. The boys were safe. It was time to move forward. Arda, we do need to speak about this coming battle. We need to work together. Or none of us will live through this. Arda's shoulders sunk ever so slightly. Attention released. A concern gone. What do you have in mind? Charlure invited the druids to stay at the cathedral, expecting a refusal. The druids were a proud people, and they seemed to thrive off the elements. However, these were a tired people. Pagans, sure, but people, and they would no doubt benefit from a warm, dry building. Charlure heard rumors that the Red Leaf Grove druids were forbidden from taking charity from a pagan, as she was to them. After Charlore extended the offer, Arda opened her mouth to refuse. With our brother protector taken from us, we are in short supply of warriors to defend our people. We will offer you room and board as well as supplies and healing as payment. Arda offered a slight nod of appreciation. Charlore returned in kind. Thunder cracked. Fingers of lightning stretched through the heavy clouds. Fires from the army surrounding Tuck's Edge radiated a demonic glow. Charlure wondered if she were dead, and this were her reward. Maybe she failed Theos in life, and this was her afterlife of reforging. Soon, she would complete this punishment, and be a better soul because of it. One worthy to forge by the falls. Kirkin grabbed her hand, and Charlore looked down at his face. Too tired for a boy his age, but life shined behind his blue eyes. This was no punishment. No child like this would be there. Carling Bear grabbed her other hand, and with both of them now under her protection, Charlore recovered. She was the mother of these people, of this town. Their protection was her responsibility. Where are you heading, Charlor? Tobias called from an alley. Mother, Charlor, she corrected. Lightning silhouetted the Red Hand mob. The fanatics infested the sparse alleyways. Some were the true cultists. Some were people she'd known most of her life. They all leered in self-righteous disgust at the cubs in her care. Prophet Tobias, we have no desire for violence on this night. We all have lost much. Peace is to be called for. We agree, Mother Charlore. My only desire was to show my flock you are truly heretics. You are welcoming these pagans into a cathedral of Theos, are you not? There were cries of blasphemy from the mob. Druids volleyed screams back in their own tongue. No violence, Mother Charlure commanded. No violence, Prophet Tobias echoed. Artists screamed commands. Druids ran to the cathedral in response. Muffled curses trailed them through the frigid downpour. 
The prophet and the right hand were true to their word. Their wounds needed licking as well. The dragon killed two of the red hand cultists, and Sarai Tilden, a young Tux Edge woman. She had been the daughter of the local merchant guild's banker. Both of her parents, Hava and Adam, were so devout in their faith, there was genuine shock when Sarai began following Tobias. Mother Charlure spent hours counseling them. It's a new, exciting thing. I'm sure this is merely a phase, she said. Sarai is a smart girl. She'll come back to the church. In her heart, she had believed that would be the case. Her parents were inconsolable. Sister Claire gave them a sedative. Hava's screams for her lost child were a constant refrain. Mother Charlour, Tapper called to her. The cathedral was warm. Such a large number of people inside was a blessing. Many scattered through the nave and the sanctuary. Some slept on pews, the hard stone floor, and in corners. Anders Mulligan played his pipes. The music soothed the wounded and masked their screams so that others may rest. A change into dry clothing was welcome to all. The laughter of children uplifted her soul. The druids in the stiff acolyte robes were the source of their glee. Those druids laughed in return, playing into the silliness of the situation. She was surprised at how easily they played. The plan was Tapper's. All right. I thank you all for joining me today. I mean, we had to, given the circumstances. Nonetheless, much appreciation. One thing Alice and I noticed as we went through Pip's diary, he addressed the druids, Pip being a Dala, which is essentially a grandparent figure for the whole tribe of druids. We are druids too, goblin. We have Dalas. Had a Dala. So you do. So you did. By mistake. <clears throat> well, Pip's journal here does have some information on walking the green path. The door I open for the green path is narrow, and the opens rarely, Arda said. And I am the only one with that knowledge. No one else here has held communion with Shamhara for as long as I. We figured as much, Alice broke in. But if you look right here, the girl thumbed through the book. Pip wrote a ritual for opening a much larger door onto the green path. We just need one of these. Alice showed the book to Arda. An Adinia stone? No. Those are evil. From even before Shamhara's creation, when only the Crystal Tower stood. Those are not good. What other choices do we have? Mind you, we have the dragon. We have the demons. It's either death, or we use the stone, Tapper said. Arda conceded with a slight nod. We need the stone, though. They're impossible to find. Tapper smiled. Exhaustion deepened his wrinkles. Ah, yes, great question. So I was looking throughout the library you have here, Mother Charlore, one of the best I've seen, given the size of the town, that is. Of course, in Ephawir, the libraries there are as big as this cathedral, but I'd imagine, I was telling Dunsmere this the other day, if one were to take the measurement in a way proportional to the given town size, population, and so forth, that the library here would be larger. Excuse me, I, I apologize for my rambling. Big day. A lot has happened. Once again, my excursion to the uh, aforementioned library 
In there, I found a diary of an early settler of this land that would be called Tuxedge, a priest of Theos named Nahum Zen. It says the stone was buried here in town. Where? We'll go get it, Carling Burr said. Ah, see, that's the problem there, young Master Bear. Um, it's under the Red Hand's meeting house. Thanks for listening to Beholder's Eye, Tux Edge, Part 7, kind of Part 1. Uh, we did kind of put this all together very quickly. We realized that we had uh, a few... Uh, I guess we lagged behind a little bit on uh, a few episodes, so uh, we needed to get something out quick and wanted to make sure you guys had something that uh, at least continued within the world. Hopefully you do remember this story from about a year ago. Um, we're obviously going to pick it up from here on out, so I uh, hope you enjoyed that, and uh, if you're not a patron, please join, and you can hear the rest of the story, figure out where we came from, where we're going. Um, and I think actually most of this is released on our main thread at this point anyway. So anyway, thanks for listening. Tux Edge Part 7 is uh, written and performed by Alexander Floyd. Dunsmere was created by Benjamin Floyd. All music was from filmmusic.io. We had Sunset at Glengory by Kevin McLeod. The Pyre by Kevin McLeod. Unrelenting by Kevin McLeod. Vanishing by Kevin McLeod. And... Our story begins all by Kevin McLeod. Licenses under Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 licenses. CreativeCommons.org forward slash licenses forward slash by forward slash 4.0.